Moody Radio, Solomon and Don, that's unspoken. Just give me Jesus. We are four and a half minutes after the hour. Don is away playing when the cat's away. No, what is it? Hey, how's that How's that phrase go? When the, when the cat's away, the, the mice will play, something like that. She'll join me on Monday. Right now, we've got Michael Mann here in studio. Michael, good to see you, my friend. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm going I'm to give a bit of your bio, and if I mess it up, you just correct me. Okay? Is that easy enough? That's easy. Okay. Michael, uh, you served in the Marines. I did. And um, you were a SWAT officer with the Nashville Metropolitan Police Department. Yep. In uh, force protection over at Y-12. Yes. And then set up security protocols for corporations and things like that. Um, and now you work in church security. I do. Have all that. I have, have that right. Did I nail it? You did. Did I miss any? Did I mess it up? No, I think you're you're good. I pretty much gave the gist of it, right? You did. I you gave did. the gist of it. Um, it's such a big bio, we could sit around and talk about it all day. But let's just talk about fun stuff here. Um, okay, so security is really the background. That's that's kind of your world. You, it is. And and right now, specifically, you're working on church security. That's kind of the focus point of your life at this moment. Um, yeah, church, faith-based organizations, correct. Yeah. Right, faith-based. Yep. Yeah, not just churches, but faith-based. Right. Yeah. Um, and so security is kind of the world that you've lived in. You have a history of it. Um, we kind of share that background. I was, I was also, in the, we, you, you know this, and, and the audience knows this, I was also in the Army in counterintel, but I haven't spent a lifetime doing it. I transitioned from that and went to preaching. I was pastor for a while and then went into radio and things like that. You have devoted the life to security, so you're, you're going to be light years ahead of where even I am on this. A um, lot, of, lot of crazy things happening in the world. Yep. A lot of, lot of dangerous stuff happening. Um, what I want to what I want to do is here's how I want to do it. I want to focus domestically first, and then I want us to transition later to a conversation about Israel. Yeah, because you've spent some time in Israel and studied and things like that over there in Tel Aviv. Yes. Um, but let me just give you the floor real quick to just kind of say hi to everybody, and 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 we'll take it from there. Yeah. Hello. Uh, glad everybody's listening. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody here uh, can pick something up today. Uh, and obviously, if you have any questions or comments. Please send those or text those into the uh, into the station. That's right. One eight hundred triple five seven eight nine eight. All right. The the church world, Michael, it's changing. Yeah. Because I remember growing up, I don't remember any conversations about church security. Now, of course, I was a kid, so you know, obviously, kids aren't going to be having that. But it didn't feel like there was this need for it, at least. And even as a teenager and a young adult, I never I never really felt like churches were a place where danger could take place. Matter of fact, it always felt like a sanctuary, if I could have a play on words, you know, a, a safety place. But now we're seeing things like Sutherland Springs, Texas, where there were shootings. And um, that South Carolina, what was the South Carolina church? In Charleston. Char- Charleston. I can't remember the name of the church there, but there was a, a church in Charleston where uh, I believe a young guy by the name of Devin went in and shot the place up. And so church security has now become, if you're a pastor listening today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a real conversation. Um, Mike? Where, did, where does the church begin? Let's say a pastor's listening right now, or an ushering staff or security team members listening. They go, man, we got to secure our church, but we have no clue how to begin this. Where do we go? What do we do? First thing, and this, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming this is easy for a pastor. So understand that, the, that a church security function is not just a team, it should be a ministry. So there should really be three parts to that. And that's, that's so I've done this for several large churches, and this is how we've been uh, successful. So the first is, one, is obviously there needs to be a focus on service to the church, and those are people that attend that church who love Jesus, who love the church, and they want to serve. Second is they want or need to fellowship with each other and other people in the church. So part of the program is not just serving the church itself and standing post or doing security work, but it's also the fellowship amongst themselves. 
uh, and there needs to be time away from service that does that. And then the third piece as the ministry service to the community. So that team or that function should go out and find in the community uh, places to serve, whether that's an orphanage, whether that's some sort of uh, uh, some other faith-based organization or any kind of a ministry or any place they can find where there's a need where Jesus Christ needs to come in and and, and the human being that that team needs to serve. So understand it's not necessarily a security team like in the world. It is a ministry that provides a function for the church and for the community. If, it, if it's not thought about that way, it, it probably will not last. The volunteers won't stay. Uh, it's like any other ministry or volunteer function in the church, and so it has to be looked at as a ministry first. Yeah, these are all good things. I'm, I'm glad you laid that out. Um, we're just getting started with this conversation with Mike. If you've got a question for him, Michael Mann is our guest, um, former SWAT and, and Marine, now focuses on, on security for faith-based organizations. You can text in your question right now to one 800 Five 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 seven eight nine eight one eight hundred triple five seventy eight ninety eight. You could also call that number if you prefer. Uh, phone lines are open if you've got a question for him. We're talking security this morning, faith based security. We're going to transition into into Israel security as well. Lots of different things going on with security, and this is a world I think we all have a vested interest in. So, uh, more to come. You're listening to Solomon and Don right here on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don, that's Unfinished by Mandisa. So glad to be with you. Thanks for joining. 16 minutes after the hour, Michael Mann, that's our guest today. Michael, so glad you're with us. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Masada Consulting, um, former Marine, former SWAT with with, uh, Nashville Police, um, security at Y-12 and Oak Ridge, um, setting up programs and policies and procedures to help protect corporations and nuclear tech and things like that. And now nonprofit and um, and faith based organization security so uh, quite the security resume. Um, tell me a little bit about your time in, in the Marines. What was that like? I uh, was just uh, lucky enough to uh, in the very beginning uh, when Reagan was still president. So that kind of ages me. That tells everybody hold on. But uh, when I uh, joined the Marine Corps in 1986, actually 95, went in 96 with delayed entry program. Uh, I got selected to go to Fast Company, which was the Marine Corps Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team, and it just started as I finished infantry training school. So my primary MOS was infantry, got selected to go to this Fast Company thing, and that's what started my career in physical protection. So uh, got a lot of really neat training on uh, how to go to places throughout the world and secure places like embassies and uh, naval facilities. And so that's where I started my kind of my shooting career and tactics career or, or interest in it. And then my interest in traveling and just physical protection in general, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it's it, that's a neat world, mm-hmm. you know. Security is a neat world, and I haven't spent my whole life in it, but from what I've been involved with it, it's, it is interesting. Um, it can be boring sometimes, that's for sure. Yes, uh, but then there are those moments when it's you know you're doing something really cool, and you go, "Oh, this is why I'm doing <laughs> it," you know, and it makes up for the boring times. <laughs> but that's kind of the rule with security that we want, though. I mean, we want security to be boring because if it's if it's exciting then that means something bad's happening. Yes, very different from like being a police officer or so instead of being responsive, the goal in security is prevention. Yeah. So preventative measures are always boring. It's standing posts, it's watching, it's deterring. So it's those things that are not fun. There's, I always tell people when they come on board a church security team or come onto a team that I'm, that I'm setting up for a corporation, it's nothing, you know, some cool training. But after that, you're probably going to be standing around watching and, and doing things that aren't exciting. And that's exactly what you want. And so if you're doing right. your job, 
then it's it's probably never going to be exciting. It's that's, just the nature. That's the whole, that's the phrase they say with a lot of things. You know, if if you're doing your job right, people don't know you're doing your job. That's right, exactly. Yeah. It, except the bad guy, which the if bad that's guy. if that's in if that's you're doing it right, then the bad guy never shows up or walks away, and it's it stays boring. So yeah. Um. So let's say let's say somebody's listening right now. It's a pastor. Give us some tangible things that a person could do today to make their church more secure. Yeah. Being present. So if you look at the attacks that have happened over the last 20 years in churches, you have to go into the information. I'm a risk guy, so I measure risk for a living. And so that Another is, super boring title. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, consequence, threat, vulnerability. Yeah, so, uh, but if you go in and you study that, uh, when you look at all these church attacks, uh, very specifically over the last 20 years, people weren't paying attention. And not that, that you know, uh, again, it's something that you have to be taught to do, but it could be nothing more than uh, people in the parking lot watching for things that are unusual, uh, being posted around areas, you know, in the government world, we call them critical target areas, and the church is going to be your sanctuary, any place where large people are going to, a large amount of people are going to gather. Yeah. Just having people there watching. Uh, you know, you don't have to have guns. I know a lot of pastors are afraid of that. You don't have to have anything that's uh, that's overtly scary. In fact, I, I say that you shouldn't do that because I think that conflicts with uh, the church itself. Uh, when you're pushier, when you uh, when you overtly carry weapons, or you know, it looks like you're you want to pat people down and search backpacks, lock doors. I don't believe in any of that. I always recommend churches install large, imposing metal detectors and hungry German shepherds <laughs> that they just let like Dobermans wander <laughs> randomly. I always yeah. think that's really effective for like yeah. you know guest outreach and yeah. things like yes, that. Yes, yeah. Know? Unfortunately, that conflicts with the mission of the church, so we don't <laughs> want to do that. So yeah, really, it's teaching people what what they're looking for. What that person that might want to come and do harm is going to do three weeks before, three months before. That's that's all it is. Okay. If you've got a question for Michael, uh, he's we're talking about faith-based security right now. If you've got a question for him, text or call it in right now, 1-800-555-7898. Michael, I've got a question that was just texted in for you. Um, can you explain how most churches recruit people for security from within their church bodies or otherwise? Uh, my experience outside of uh, 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 do this for a large church in Brentwood, uh, it's they just ask for volunteers. So an announcement would be made in a bulletin or someone comes up to the sanctuary, takes three minutes or whatever and says, hey, we're looking for volunteers. Uh, come to this, you know, we're going to have this meeting and we'll explain this. And then that's kind of how recruitment starts yeah, for the so majority of churches. Kind of the generic, hey, if you want to be a part of a ministry, see yep. us at room four. Correct. We'll be there after service. Yep. That sort of thing. Yep. I do it a little bit differently. We do announce it, but there's an interest meeting. And so the interest meeting very specifically goes into the requirements and what that's going to look like. And so, uh, and some do it very similar. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, most of the time an announcement's made. Uh, and they're told where to go, and from there, uh, volunteers are, are selected. Or when you're patting somebody down at the metal detector and the, <laughs> the, the angry German shepherd is sniffing in their bag, you could be like, oh, by the way, would you like to do this? You <laughs> yes, know, yes. You, could, you could say you're that. You're very suspicious. Come on the security team, please. <laughs> you know, the, the best, the best uh, intel, the best IT guys for the government used to be hackers. That, that's, know, right. So, that's right. That's <laughs> right. So let's get the bad guy to stand post for us. That's what we might want to do. Um, very cool. Uh, Masada Consulting, uh, that's the name of your organization or company. Yes. Uh, when we return, we're going to dig in and find out why that's called Masada. So prep yourself for, for the answer there. Um, I, I do know this. It's it's super neat. And so I love I love Masada. Uh, questions, thoughts, church security, uh, faith-based security, uh, Israel security. We might be heading that way next. one 800 
1-800-798-9898. Michael Mann is our guest today from Masada Consulting. It's Solomon and Don here on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That's Matt Redman with Gracefully Broken. Don's going to join me back on Monday, so I'll welcome her into the studio. Right now, I've welcomed Michael Mann into the studio. He is a former Marine. Well, no, he's a former Marine, they say. I always say that, and people are like, you're no such thing as a former Marine. Uh, Marine, he's a former SWAT uh, officer with the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. Um, specializes in uh, in security. He was force protection over Oak Ridge, the Y-12 National Security Complex, um, you know, responsible for putting in um, policies to neutralize potential threats, you know. And uh, now you do a lot of faith-based security for churches and organizations that are faith-based. So uh, really neat stuff here. Now, your, your organization, Michael, oh, and by the way, if you've got a question or a comment for him, go ahead and call or text it in to 1-800-555-7898, 1-800-555-7898. Seven eight nine eight, 7898 um, Michael, you, you have a company called Masada Consulting. Yes. Why? Why is it called Masada Consulting? Yeah, so just real quick background. I was working for a large corporation in commercial nuclear services. Uh, did that for about six or seven years. And I convinced them to send me to Israel to study how the Israelis protected their country. So everything from border crossings to how they protect malls, train stations, whatever. And so... There was a study program through Tel Aviv University I found out about where if you were in the security profession or in a government, uh, you could go through the state of Israel and get accepted to this program uh, through a private organization and, and go there and study for about two weeks. And so went uh, through uh, through the program. The company I was working for at the time sent me there. They thought it was a good idea to learn how they, how they do this. And so basically we, in the morning we'd be uh, at Tel Aviv University studying underneath these uh, professors that were uh, experts in terrorism. Uh, Israeli experts, uh, you know, professors there. And then we would have uh, a professor uh, it, that specialized in, in different topics take us out to do case studies, suicide bombings, security, whatever. And so we actually went to Masada. Uh, I didn't know anything about Masada. Um, uh, walked up. I didn't, didn't, take the, didn't take the tram or the trolley. And as I learned the history of Masada, as I'm standing up on top of this huge fortress um, and learning the history behind it, I just had this vision of this is what a physical protection system is, yeah. right? It's something that's it provides uh, deterrence because of the size of it, because of how long it took to get up there. It actually took them about four years to to, to get the Sakari out of there. Um, uh, you can see everything, so there's detection. But unlike like every physical protection system, it can be defeated. And so, uh, you know, 2011, I'm there looking and made a friend in Israel, actually, somebody that was there that was, that was part of the uh, – Part of the team that was that put this together, an Israeli, um, and actually I brought him back over to the United States to do some some seminar stuff. But anyway, I'm up there and I thought, you know, if I ever became a consultant, Masada, which is for, you know in Hebrew it's fortress. This is this is what physical protection is. And so when I formed this company about five or six years ago, and the focus was on protecting faith based organizations, um, I, that's that's what I called it. And so that's the background of it. Um, so yeah, that's really neat. Um, I, I love it just because it's so cool. It brings back memories for me. You know, I, I hear Masada and I just, my mind drifts to 2008, you know, the hike up. It's just a cool place. <laughs> it's very cool. And, and when you're up there, you look down, you see the Dead Sea, which is really neat. And yep. for those of that, you who have been to the Dead Sea, you know just how, what a unique place that is. Lowest point on earth, is it? I believe it it's is. the lowest point on earth. It is. You know, and uh, you swim in it and you just, you can't go under it. Your body nope. just floats because of the salt. You're, yep. just, you're just so buoyant. You yep. know, it's such a weird feeling and. Um, I know people with, they've got eczema, and they'll go and they'll get Dead Sea. It's funny because you walk through a mall in America, 
and there'll be these dead sea sellers like in these kiosks in the middle of the mall and they're like try my hand lotion and you're like come on man get out of here you know and you always brush these people off the interesting thing is though the dead sea salts really do work for that stuff yeah. i know people with eczema who swam they were there with me and they swam in the dead sea and it cleaned up their eczema for a while yeah and i just thought how you know what a cool what a cool kind of place um all right, let's let me ask you a question here, and we'll talk about Israel in just a second. Uh, I know we, we kind of transitioned a little bit there. Um, I want to ask this though, and then we'll go back to Israel. What is what is the biggest um, what is the biggest failure that you've seen, or the biggest um, mistake that churches are making when it comes to their security? I think it's the couple. Well, the the overtness of security, and what I mean by that is um, the uh, the the known fact that people are carrying weapons, locking doors, and searching backpacks or stopping to search people as they come in. That because there's there's three design features with physical security, uh, constituent rings of protection, the functions of a system, uh, and, and, and then conflict avoidance. Uh, if you don't practice those three, the system won't, the physical protection system won't work. And with the church, because our command from our Savior, is to go out and get disciples, right. get them in the church. If we're stopping people, if we're overt, if we scare people with guns, and I'm not saying don't have guns. I'm not saying that. Just don't uh, be overt about but it. But don't be overt about it. Yeah. Then what that does is that that, that chases people away, and it, I think it, it, it does the opposite of what we're hoping to do. The yeah. bad guy is going to know you're there on post and right. that you're aware. Um, everybody else, they don't need to know. That's but right. the bad guy is going to know because he's going to go through a terrain analysis process. Sure. No matter what. What level of training he's, he's paying had. attention? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think the what that does is it chases people away. Yeah. And so we have to be very welcoming, like and Christ-like when we're out there standing post. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. Michael Mann, we're talking about security today, faith-based security, and uh, more to come. If you've got a question, go ahead and text it in. As some have done to one eight hundred five 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 seven eight nine eight. It's Solomon and Don here on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That is I Am They with the song Scars, and we are 18 minutes in front of the hour here. So much enjoying our conversation with Michael Mann. Uh, SWAT, Marine, Force Protection, Security for Corporations, Nuclear Tech at Y-12. The list goes on and on. Michael Mann, it's just been so much fun so far with you. Um, we're actually going to do something with you that I never do. Uh, this is going to be an interesting thing. This, I think this might be the first time uh, I've ever done this. Uh, we're going to hold you into the next hour. Cool. So this will this will be fun. Yes. Um we have taken this hour and we have talked about we have taken this hour and we've talked about church security and faith-based organization securities. That's great. We're going to finish that up this hour, but I really want to talk about Israel with you. Yeah. And I want to talk about, you know, Iran and, and global security. So, um time constraints, we're going to have fun. We're just going to keep you. I have what I've done is I have in a in a good force protection sort of way, I've handcuffed Michael to his seat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have called the police. No, I'm just <laughs> No. Um, man, thanks for being here today. This, is, Thank you. this has been good. Okay, so let's do this. Let's wrap up our conversation about church security because next hour we're going to transition to global and, and Israel security and stuff like that. Um, I, another question came in uh, while that song was just playing, Scars by I Am They. Um, and the question says, what's your biggest challenge? I don't know who this is from, um, and so we'll call him Jack. Okay. Okay. Jack Texan says, what's your biggest challenge when trying to make plans for security um, for faith-based churches? What's, what's your biggest challenge? Not, not what are people doing to make mistakes. We've already talked about that. Yeah. 
What's your biggest challenge? Yeah, I think uh, opportunities uh, that, that exist in, uh, when you're trying to set up church security. I think two big things. Number one is uh, for the church to understand the requirements. So there's, there's uh, requirements for the church, so that means resources. No matter how small the church or how big the church, there's going to be some resources that are going to be required, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of cash. Uh, and probably some equipment for the team. So, number one, having the church understand that. It's going to cost something up front. It is. It's a ministry. So, like any ministry, it's going to, there's going to be some equipment and some yeah. things that have to be purchased. Can you can you give us a generic number, minimum, no matter church size, like what you're probably going to spend just yeah. to get into the game? I, I think uh, uh, no matter what the size of the church, $1,000 is a good beginning That, that gets you in the game. That gets you in the game. That's okay. going to get you some communication equipment, some Like walkie-talkies and walkie, stuff like yep, that? radios and some basic stuff like name tags and some stuff like that. Okay, yep. so, so $1,000 kind of basic gets you in the church security yep. game. All right, and, and then other challenges for resources. Uh, just like any other ministry, volunteers. Volunteers. And so understand that, uh, you know, uh, you know, just like the children's ministry or any, any other ministry or volunteer function in the church, it, it, it's, it is. It's tough to get volunteers that— uh, that you know, especially if they're not already volunteering somewhere else, uh, it, it's it's tough to get volunteers to stand post yeah. to get them there for an extended amount of time to do that to keep them there, on, you know, keep them on board because we want to be faithful to the church and we want to watch the you know it's the church's money. Yes, and so we want to be careful with that, and so we want those church or those volunteers to be long term, and so keeping those folks long term and getting them to volunteer is always a big challenge. That's tough. Uh, yeah. You know, as with any ministry, sometimes people get burnt out or they, they find interest and then they find they're not really interested. Like at the beginning, they're really into yep. it, and then later they're not. Yep. And so you have, as with everything, again, people will join and then they'll back out. Yes. So that's got to be an issue, you know, of, oh, you committed to this sort yep. of thing. And, um, you know, from the um, from the person's perspective who's walking through the door, you've said that you don't want them to see security. From the security person's perspective inside the church, they want to appear obscure. They don't. But from the pastor's perspective, what should the pastor be thinking about all this? I, I think uh, I, I like, I, you know, from a pastor standpoint, I, it's the model that we talk about that security itself is over to the bad guy, but it's covert to everybody else. Um, the other piece of that, when he's thinking about it, it's just what we're talking about now, which is it is a ministry. Mm hmm. Going back to, not to jump back to what you talked to 30 seconds ago, but when we start talking about maintaining volunteers, in the very beginning of the program we started talking about this, I said there are three functions. What, and this is the way the pastors need to look at it, to make those volunteers, or to have those volunteers stay, to want them to want to be there. It's not just service, the security service of the church. If you fellowship with each other, yeah. and most of the time this is a lot of men, and men need fellowship with each other, especially Christian men. So men, men love security. It's yeah, natural did. gravitation. Yeah, it's protection. It, yeah. It's actually what we're designed to do. That's right. We're designed to protect our families. We're designed to protect. I mean, that's what we're Built designed to defend. Yes, that's what we're here to do. And so, uh, so it's service to each other, the fellowship, and then service to the community. And that will keep. That's what helps keeps the volunteers together. So that's what the the pastors need to be thinking about. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. So I'm going to put an end to the church security portion of this. Right. We're coming up at the top of the hour. I'm not cutting you loose, though. I'm taking my I'm taking my rope, and I'm tying you up here at the studio. I'm going to keep you another hour, and we're going to talk about Israel. We're going to talk about world security, Israel security, end time sort of thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. Um, so you just stick around. Michael's not going anywhere. 1-800-555-7898 is the number to call or text. You're listening to Solomon and Don here on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That's David Crowder with red letters. Five minutes after the hour... Our number is 1-800-555-7898. Hope your morning is kicking off right today. Michael Mann is our guest with Masada Consulting. 
He served with the U.S. Marine Corps' uh, FAST team, which is the Fleet Anti-Terrorism Security Team. And he did that in the Marines and then got out and served the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department. Um, did that for a while and then worked at Y-12 National Security Complex in Oak Ridge uh, with the Department of Energy doing force protection and setting up procedures to, to neutralize potential threats to nuclear material. And then he really began to focus when he started Masada Consulting, uh, focus upon um, faith-based security. And, you know, that's churches and organizations um, to kind of get that those things protected and safe. So really big history of, of security. Um, Michael, so glad you're here today. Thank you. And uh, this is a transition now to Israel. Um, first off, we've talked about what Masada Consulting's name is, and it's based upon the actual physical location of Masada. It means a fortress. Um, if you don't know much about Masada, just look it up online. You can read up all about Masada. It's a very highly protected place way back in Roman days. Um, however, you spent some time studying in Israel, and that's where I want to begin this conversation. Uh, you spent some time literally in the nation of Israel studying how they protect their people. And one thing that stuck out to me, and I'd like you to start off by elaborating on this, is you said that when there's a terrorist attack, they like to clean the scene up in four hours. Why? Uh, yeah, very specifically. So uh, suicide bombing. So that was their threat for a very long time. Now it's kind of uh, it's still that problem has kind of shifted with the wall and the fence being built has now shifted the stabbing attacks. But when they first started fighting, and that was in the 80s, these suicide bombers, and they started to figure out that problem uh, very specifically from uh, from obviously from Muslims um, is is uh, is they learned how to deal with this and and mitigate it. Um, now, when there's a suicide attack, what the police and what the military learned to do was to, they wanted that scene investigated, cleaned up, and completely finished in four hours. And the purpose for that is so the citizens of Israel do not focus on that attack. Because very specifically, before the fence or the wall, whatever you want to call it, was built, that was a huge problem in Israel. And so their focus is get it done, finish it, get it off the street so the Israelis can go back to their normal lives. And they actually do that, which is pretty amazing. How, how effective has their wall been? Very effective. So when I was there in 2008, I think the wall had been built. Uh, or really, it's a lot of fencing. Uh, I think it had been uh, completed a, a year, maybe not two years, and the rate of suicide bombings had dropped considerably, and the number of terrorist incidents had dropped considerably. Before that fence was up, and uh, we I studied on how they protect wa- uh, the malls, their train stations, uh, the airport, Ben-Gurion very specifically. We got the insider look at Ben-Gurion. Yeah. And I was talking to uh, the chief of security for the mall in Jerusalem, and he said uh, before the fence was built, there was a time where there was a suicide, at least one suicide bombing a day in Jerusalem, mm. a day, at least one a day in Jerusalem. And so, you know, he was telling me a story. He said, you know, his kids were teenagers at the time, and living in Jerusalem, you didn't know whether or not you could send your kids out. Wow. Uh, they did it. You know, as Israelis, they did that. You have to live your life. Yeah, you have to live your life. And so, again, another reason why the police very specifically – clean things up very, very quickly when they get them off the street so Israelis right. can go back to their normal, uh, you know, just their day-to-day no, lives. Normal. Yeah, air, normal. Yeah. Back, to, yeah. Back, back to normal yeah. life. It, that's something that's so foreign, I think, for Americans is um, the idea of things blowing up all the time. You know, that is that is not something anybody in America is used to unless they've lived in a place where that's happened, you know, somewhere else in the world. It's not it's not on your radar. And so I think we've, we've grown um, accustomed to security here. And we've grown calloused to the idea of needing force protection, needing physical protection. 
It's so frustrating to me having served in the military. I mean, I, I, I lived in those, those areas. I've seen things blow up every day. I know it's real, but it's still even me. You can get back to the U.S. and get cozy. Take your shoes off, drink your lemonade, get, get cozy, you know. For the Israelis, they don't, they don't have the luxury. Even in 2019, the threat is so real. Um, when we return, we can talk about who they're surrounded by, the nations that have surrounded Israel, and how Israel has, has, has to be on guard. And they don't get the luxury of chilling out and kicking their shoes off and drinking their sweet tea. They have to be on guard all the time. Michael Mann is our guest today. If you've got a question about uh, security, and we're talking about Israel security right now, thoughts on it, 1-800-555-7898. You can call or text that. It's Solomon and Don on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That's Haven't Seen It Yet by Danny Gokey. Great song there. 17 minutes after the hour. Don's out today. She's taking the day off, probably snorkeling with the turtles or something like that. She'll be back on Monday. I've got Mike Mann with me here. Michael Mann's a former Marine. I hate saying that. That drives Marines crazy. (laughs) He served in the Marine Corps. He's a Marine. And uh, Metropolitan Nashville Police Department after that. Uh, Worked at the Y-12 National Security Complex in Oak Ridge after that as a a special response team uh, guy, trying to to neutralize threats to to nuclear material there in Oak Ridge. And then uh, now with, with Masada Consulting, a company he started, uh, doing doing faith based security, uh, trying to help get organizations secure, and so this is all terrific. I, I think it's really great. The conversation right now is about Israel. Um, Michael, Israel is unique because it is the only Jewish nation on Earth, and it's incredibly small. It's not a large piece of land. It's I think it's it's like the size of Delaware or something. New like Jersey, that. Yeah. is it New Jersey? Yeah. yeah, it's the size of New Jersey. So it's a really small country. Um, and here's here's the kicker, it is surrounded by nations that hate it. I saw a map one time, and it really stunned me, and it was New Jersey then. Somebody took New Jersey and put it in Kansas, right? And yeah. then and then you look, and they said, now every state that surrounds New Jersey hates it. And and that kind of brought it home as an American. It's one thing to think Israel's surrounded by nations. You're trying to figure out what are the nations and how many and how big or whatever. Put New Jersey smack dab in the middle of Kansas and then say, now every other state hates New Jersey. And it kind of puts it in perspective that, wow, this is a dangerous situation. That's Israel. Yeah. Um, they can't take it easy. They don't have that luxury. Now, I, you know, I, I tell people a lot of times, especially as Americans, because we did, you know, we haven't. Uh, of course, we've had a long war the last 20 years, but that war was fought somewhere else. Afghanistan. I mean, it, it, it did, yeah. in Afghanistan and Iraq. And obviously we've seen there have been terrorist attacks here. But as Americans, because we're so blessed and because of the resources we have, we forget very, very quickly, unfortunately. Right. And so I always tell people when they're trying to imagine what Israel and what the uh, what the Israelis and what the Jews have to put up with is, you know, if you're listening here in Smyrna or Middle Tennessee, think about you live in Smyrna. And in Laverne, there are people that despise just because you live in Smyrna, just because you're a Smyrna knight, you know, if that's what you if you live here, they despise you just because you live here, you're from here, and you believe in Smyrna. And that every day when you go outside your house, there is a risk that someone in Laverne is going to launch a missile. Mm. Or when you go to the grocery store, someone that is legally able to come into Smyrna from Laverne mm. is is ready to come up and stab you and your family. There's or, no peace. No, there's no such thing. You brought this up before, um, you know, Tomorrow, if Israel were right, to lay right. down their arms, then it would be obliterated. Yeah. Uh, but just the opposite would be true if 
if Israel's enemies would yeah. lay all their arms down, then there would be peace today, and that's there right. would never be war again there. That, that to me, tells me the whole story. That That's the whole scene, you know. I know there's a lot more complicated working pieces, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to boil the Israeli-Arab conflict down to a statement, to a, to a single sentence, which is so unfair, but I mean, if if you could boil it down to a statement, to me, that's the statement. You yeah. know, if the Arabs melted their guns and tanks, there would be peace. Yeah. If the Jews melted their guns and tanks, there would be genocide. Yeah. And and that to me, that's kind of the final arbiter of what's happening here. And I know, again, there's a lot of working pieces and, and parts to the puzzle, but that tells me a lot. And, you know, when I consider the fact that if you're in Tuscaloosa and somebody in Birmingham wants to kill you, if you're in Las Cruces and somebody in Santa Fe wants to kill you, you know, and you're going, whoa, what's the, we're right here beside each other. We need to be friends. And then I look at Israel and I go, that's their situation right now. Man, I can't, as a person who, who wants peace, I can't just say, come on, Israel, just give in. If they do, it's over. Yes. And, you know, anybody that's listening, if they've ever been to Israel, you know, you know you've been there. And so you go to the Golan Heights, you look across the Golan Heights, and you can see Syria. You know, you, you know I mean, uh, you go, uh, go to the other side of the Golan Heights and look up, and you, you literally can see into Lebanon. And that's so right. anywhere that you go in the state of Israel around those borders, you're looking at the people that literally want to destroy you. And, uh, and, that only, and the only reason is because you're an Israeli or because you're a Jew and because of that hatred. And, and again, it's something that I think the rest of the world, because we don't, especially Americans, we don't face that every day. It's very hard for us to understand and remember that. And so, um, you know, as we watch the news and all these questions come up about why, you know, why can Israel not give up their borders that they gained in 1967? Why can they not give up the Golan Heights? Uh, you really need to look at history, and you, need, you really need to just take a look at it and be, go there if you get a chance, especially as a believer. You really need to go if you ever have a chance to do that uh, and see exactly what it looks like. I mean, it's like looking in your backyard, and there's somebody that hates you, and they want to destroy you, and maybe the only thing that's separating you and that, and that person is a fence, mm. literally a chain-link fence mm. with wire on it. You know, and it's so easy for us in America to want the friendly option. It's, it's just like, come on, can't we all just be friends? <laughs> Can't we all just yeah. get along? Yeah. But if you had a scenario like they're living in, you can't just be friends. No. You have to defend yourself. Um, Michael Michael Mann is our guest, Masada Consulting. And uh, if you've got a question about this topic, if you've got something you want to share, thoughts or comments, text or call 1-800-555-7898. It's Solomon and Don on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That's just beheld by Casting Crowns. We're now 30 minutes after the hour. Don is... Out, she will join me again on Monday, and I've got Michael with me. Michael Mann, Masada Consulting, uh, Marine SWAT with Nashville Police Department, uh, security at Y twelve now with Church Security with a company um, Masada Consulting doing doing faith based security. Um, we're talking about Israel, however, and if you've got a question, a thought for him, a comment, you can text or call it in at one eight hundred triple five seven eight nine eight. So Israel security is interesting, especially considering who's nearby, Michael. And perhaps the most uh, dangerous threat to Israel does not lie with the Palestinians nearby. Israel pretty nights say pretty much they don't have it completely under control, but they do get rocket attacks from the Palestinians and Nazareth and Bethlehem and stuff like that. But their biggest threat perhaps would be Iran. Uh, now, what we saw on Wednesday was, um, and, and you might have seen this uh, out there and out there in in, in in the news, but. An oil, a British oil tanker was attempted to be seized by Iranian vessels. 
and five vessels went to get this BP oil tanker, and they tried to order it out of international waters into Iranian waters, and a British, uh, a British battleship essentially came up and said, back off, you're not taking this, this BP oil tanker. An American aircraft caught it all on video, and Iran denied they did it. Now, this comes after Iranians shot down a U.S. drone. It comes after the Iranian attack on the U.S. oil tanker. I mean, there's a lot going on with Iran right now. And for Israel's security, and really for the world's security, uh, Iran's not a joke. It's not something to just sneeze at and be like, eh, it'll, it'll die out. Probably not. Now, no, it, it, for people listening, if they don't understand or, or haven't followed it, so yeah, it, it's not only is this a big issue for, for Israel, uh, because obviously the Iranians want to completely obliterate Israel and the Jews, but, uh, but for the world in general, you know, in 79, they became an Islamic uh, republic. Uh, and Islam, the goal of Islam is to completely dominate the world. And those who that do not do, do not want to submit to Islam will die. And, you know, they have their own belief system about what's going to happen in the end of times. And so, especially as believers, we should keep up with it. We should uh, understand what that ultimate goal for Iran would be. And it's not just to obliterate Israel or to take oil. It's literally complete domination of the globe. Yeah, the, the, yeah, start the... Uh, the jihad, yep. if you want to create the caliphate, um, they're looking at. You talk about their end of time views. Islamic Islamic views, much like Christians are looking for the return of Jesus, and the Jews are looking for the the Messiah. They don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. The what many people don't realize is is within Islam, Muslims are actually also looking for what they call the twelfth Imam or the final the final prophet. You know, and so everybody in the three major Abrahamic religions, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, are looking for a man to come at the end of time and kind of end it all or bring peace, or create what they're looking for. For Jews, it's the restoration of Israel to glory. Yeah. For Muslims, it's the 12th Imam to create an Islamic caliphate worldwide. For Christians, it's the return of Jesus to set up the millennial reign of Christ. Um, and so this is not something that is fantasy, pie in the sky, nobody believes it, it's conspiracy theory, it's crazy, uh, you guys are just talking religious mumbo-jumbo. No. Billions of people on earth believe this. Yes. And it's it's playing out in front of our eyes with the the wars and you know Jesus said there would be war and rumor of war and and that's what we hear all day long i mean this oil tanker thing that just happened on wednesday with iran and the british oil tanker that's just another rumor of war that could come about i mean we need to lift our eyes up to the sky cuz jesus could soon return yeah. and, and understand too with this issue with the iranian again not not just about oil but the Islamic countries, very specific Iran, they want to push this. Where, where you know, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We're we're just patiently waiting. Yeah. Sometimes impatiently, but we we wait. We're like at the end of Revelation. <laughs> come, Lord Jesus, come yeah. quickly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> they want to push this forward. Yeah, they're trying so, to make it happen. Yeah. So yeah. the Islamic belief is they want this twelfth Imam to come quickly, and if they think they can push that forward, they will. And that's exactly what this is about. When you start to look at the ultimate goal, that's what this is. And as believers. Uh, everybody here listening needs to understand that and pay attention to what's going on. Strategically, why should the West care about Iran? Why should America and Europe care about Iran? <laughs> well, first thing is uh, our only ally in the Middle East is Israel. Really, our only ally, our 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 hope and our savior there is Israel. So it is the it is the only peace loving uh, democracy uh, in the Middle East. And so, first of all, they want to literally obliterate the Jews. Number two, uh, other Islamic nations and other Muslims who wish to do harm to us, very specifically Westerners, will take the example of Iranians. They will take the example of Iran. In fact, Iran is communicating that now. So uh, that threat doesn't have to be here. You know, we don't need to live across the street from Iran for it to, for it to be a problem. 
other people are going to, uh, or other Muslims, very you know, radical Muslims, will take that example and they will bring that war to us. So that's another reason why this is important for us to pay attention and understand that it's a threat. I do know this. I do know that Iran funds a lot of terrorism. Um, you know, they fund Hezbollah and Hamas within the, the Palestinian territories. Um, they, have fun, they have funded al-Qaeda in the past. Yep. Um, it's not unusual for the Iranians to take their oil money and dish it out to places that can cause chaos. Yep. And so as people who are maybe on the edges looking in at the scenario and somebody's going, I don't really, I don't really get it, kind of the gist of the, the sum of the matter is Iran uses their money to create terrorism, to create chaos. And they typically have found allies with, with Russia and China. Historically, Russia and China have backed Iran, you know, with, with their nefarious acts, you know. So this does matter to us. Um, it is a big deal, and we could brush it off, but I don't, I don't think that would be wise. Here's what we want to do. We've only got a few minutes left, Michael. Um, first off, thanks for being with us. We're going to come back, wrap up, and uh, give people an opportunity to, to share comments or thoughts with you. one 800 555 the 7898. It's Solomon and Don here on Moody Radio. Moody Radio, Solomon and Don. That's Build My Life by Pat Barrett. We are 17 minutes now in front of the hour. Been having a great conversation with Michael Mann from Masada Consulting. Michael, I want to say thanks for joining us today. Thank you for I, having me. I hope you've had a good time. I've had a good time listening. I have. Uh, good comments have come, and people have really appreciated your thoughts on church security. Um, and, and Israel. So thank you uh, for joining us and, and spending some time. I did something a little unusual today. I, you know, usually get a guest and, and, you know, maybe keep them for an hour. But I said, man, we took an hour and talked about church security. And then we took an hour and talked about Israel. And you, sometimes you just got to gotta keep them. You got to reel. It's like a fish. You just got to reel them all the way in, you know. And so instead of just like teasing you with a little bit of fish bait, we just reeled you all the way into the boat here. Um, all right. So uh, let's put a bow on the conversation here. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll start We'll work our way backwards, and we'll kind of wrap up this conversation today. Um, Israeli security, why does it matter? Number one, again, they're our only ally in the Middle East. As believers, we have a responsibility uh, to be faithful to Israel and to the Jews. Uh, we are tied into that. We're tied into that family. Uh, and again, they're our ally there. What is happening in the Middle East impacts us. Uh, like you talked about with Iran, they're the largest, one of the world's largest uh, supporters of state terrorism, so they do fund a lot of terrorism. That comes to our shores. That creates a risk to us. So that's why it's important. And just because of end of times and believers, we need to understand what's happening because the Bible is unfolding in front of us right now. We just don't. Re- some of us just don't realize it. Very good. Um, nonprofit security, churches, and things of that nature. Uh, best things that people can put in place right now to keep their churches safe. Being aware. Put people out there on post. Teach them what it is they need to look for. Uh, the bad guy doesn't show up one day and say, I'm going to shoot a bunch of people or hurt people. There's a planning process in that. Uh, you don't have to be armed to stop it or deter it. You just need people that love the church, that love Jesus, that are willing to stand out there and look for it, uh, be that friendly person that greets everybody, while at the same time being on the lookout for anything that's suspicious and reporting it. That's the most important thing. And that that function is a ministry. There's service to the church. There's fellowship with each other. And then there's fellowship, and then there's service to the community. So go out there to organizations that need help, that don't have the resources, and be that 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 example for Christ that we are called to be. Those are the those are the elements of success for church security. Uh, personal security. What can a person do for themselves and their family? It's situational awareness, just like with church security. Understand your surroundings. Be able to go look into, uh, be able to walk into any place, any time, know where you're at, know how to get out of there. 
If it looks suspicious or it looks bad, don't go. And the most important thing, understand there are bad people out there that want to hurt you. The risk of that is probably pretty low. Sometimes that depends on where you are and where you live. But the majority of people never run into incidents, uh, you know, bad incidents, but it does Thank occur. God. It does happen. So always be situationally aware of what's happening, what's what's around you, what's, what, you know, what your surroundings look like, and, and know how to get out of there quickly. And you started Masada uh, Consulting quickly. What does Masada do? Uh, Masada, uh, faith-based organizations, very specifically, anything from assessments to going in and t- training church security teams, uh, uh, private Christian school. That's that's actually who we started to service in the beginning private Christian schools, private universities. So anything from just basic situational awareness training to self-defense to assessments to writing out procedures, any kind of complete program or any physical protection program, any element of that, that's what that's what we do. Cool. Uh, text the word SECURE or SECURITY to 1-800-555-7898, Use the word SECURE, SECURITY, and we'll, we'll link you up with that and maybe show people how to, how to, get, a, how to get a hold of Masada. Thank you so much for being a part. Man, this has been a really fun, great conversation. It's been cool. Thank you. I, I really enjoyed this, so thank you so much. Uh, Dawn has been out today. She is uh, going to be with me again on Monday, so we'll welcome her back into the studio. Uh, thanks for your calls and texts. I hope you have a great weekend. Listen, if you're going through a downtime, understand a new week is coming. If you're up on the mountain and things are great and things are wonderful, understand that God can be with you there as well, and don't forget him in your prosperity and your blessings. Please have a very safe and happy weekend. We will be back again on Monday. You've been listening to Solomon and Don right here on Moody Radio.